Welcome to the Fieldcraft Survival Podcast. I'm your host for this podcast, Kevin Estella, director of training, survival guy, kind of gear junkie, outdoorsman, part-time adventurer, full-time nerd. Guys, this is uh, one of my favorite podcasts to do. It's where I answer a bunch of your questions and I get to answer them with greater depth and breadth than I could if I just replied to them on Instagram. And that's basically how you get your questions on here. You reach out to me on Instagram, when I ask you for your questions every Wednesday, put up your question, I will get to them. Guys, this podcast, Coffee and Questions, is not just about the questions, it's about the coffee. And what I wanna do right now is just give a shout out to our greatest sponsor, our biggest sponsor, and that is Black Rifle Coffee. Right now, I've got a cup of just black coffee from Black Rifle Coffee. They've got all different brews, but it seems like I'm always grabbing the the just black um, more than anything else here. We've got a Keurig machine in the other room. And even though it's not my preferred way of making coffee, it's good for, you know, a quick cup when you need one here and there. And in the case of this podcast, I need a lot of coffee because I get a lot of your questions. Guys, if you're over in the Salt Lake City area ever, stop by Black Rifle Coffee and go into the store. They'll make you one of the strongest cups of coffee you'll ever have. You can get all their merchandise over there. I'm still waiting on picking up a uh, one of their hand grenade coffee mugs because it does hold a lot of coffee. So uh, I'm waiting on picking up that. But you can also get all their shirts, extra bags of coffee, um, you name it, all the carafts that you can use to make coffee. So please check them out. You can also find Black Ruffle Coffee in a bunch of different stores. You can find their ready-to-drink stuff. It's really, really good. So guys, I'm going to take another sip of coffee and then I'm going to get right down to it with coffee and questions. Number five, hard to believe that I've been doing this now for five iterations. Your questions keep coming and they keep getting better and better. I will keep drinking coffee as long as you keep asking me questions. So let's keep this going. Guys, here is Fieldcraft Survival Podcast, coffee and questions number five. Three, two, one. Hey guys, Kevin Estella here with Fieldcraft Survival. You're listening to another edition of Coffee and Questions. This is number five. Five is actually my lucky number. I don't know why. Um, I've had like number five as a lucky number. Number three is a lucky number. I just like it. So this should be a good one. Let's see what we have on the queue for today. It looks like we have 35 questions and I'm going to get through these as thoroughly as I can without running my suck for too long. And on today's coffee and questions, the brew of choice is just black. I just brewed it up, drinking it from uh, an enamel coffee mug that it's got that nice permanent coffee stain on it. Like I know people say like you should wash your stuff in this nap. I personally will never wash this coffee cup. I think it just adds to the flavor, you know? All right. So if you guys aren't familiar with this process, it's pretty simple. I just sit back. I'm on my laptop right now. I've got a whole queue of questions from different folks and I'm going to answer your questions in great depth and breadth. If you want to ask questions, look on my social media account. It's at Estella Wild Ed. Every Wednesday I ask for your questions. I record them in this spreadsheet. I answer some online, I save some for this podcast, and sometimes I'll double dip. I'll answer them online, but then I'll also answer them here on this podcast. So maybe I'll give you a shout out twice. All right, here we go. 
Who is your favorite coworker? There's only one right answer. Well, <laughs> this one actually comes from a coworker, but I'm not going to call her out. Uh, I'm not going to say that she's my favorite Latina sister. Um, but I will say that, uh, Jen Caro is awesome. If you guys aren't following Jen, she's really, really, really cool. Uh, Jen, Ricky, and I, we drove down to Overland Expo together last year. Jen is seriously like my little sister. Uh, if anyone ever hurts Jen, I will be out for blood. Uh, Jen is just a, a total sweetheart. She's hilarious. Probably the most patriotic person we have here at the company, and that's that's not easy. I mean, we have a lot of good Americans here at Field Craft Survival. So uh, Jen is awesome. Her singing... Um, it's an acquired taste, but I'll say that she's hilarious, great person, uh, total sweetheart. So Jen Caro, if you guys aren't following her out, her Instagram handle is fabulous Jennifer Caro. All right, next one. This one comes from a, uh, a buddy over at Black Rifle Coffee, uh, Chris Hunt, and it's Lazy Fair is his IG handle. First thing you treat yourself to when you get back after being in the backcountry for a while. Wow. And I'm assuming that this has to be food. I'll tell you guys, when I was up in Alaska in 2016, I did five weeks up there. Three of those weeks were completely off grid in the Arctic circle. And in the cold foot truck stop, I remember getting a burger with a side of tater tots. And uh, if you guys aren't the type to eat mountain house meals or freeze dried meals, then you don't know that the consistency of those is pretty much mush. There's no crunch. And I was craving crunch after being in the woods, eating only mountain house and then the fish and the birds that we shot. So I would say that one of my favorite things is something salty and starchy, big fan of sun chips, big fan of tater tots, big fan of Chick-fil-A French fries. But I know that if I end my trip to the backcountry on a Sunday, I can't get those Chick-fil-A French fries. That really, really sucks. But then again, it's the Lord's bird. Um, and I completely am okay with them celebrating their, their right to, to worship on a Sunday. So I'll just get my fry fix on a Monday. All right. Next question comes from Keith skis, trying to figure out my first course with you guys. What is your advice? Um, it all depends on you, man. I mean, if you are interested in wilderness survival, I'm going to tell everyone to get the base in wilderness survival one from there, you can take land navigation. And then that way you are building upon your foundation with time and practice before you take wilderness survival two. If you guys are interested in firearms, I would definitely recommend the gunfighter courses start off with the pistol because chances are you're going to be carrying your pistol more than your rifle and then proceed to your rifle. You know, the carbine courses got a whole slew of good instructors that, that know their stuff. Shout out to Dave Acosta. He's my buddy from Connecticut, uh, Sioc training partner, uh, really, really good guys. Solid, solid guy. In fact, when I was leaving for Fieldcraft before he joined Fieldcraft, uh, him, Mike Romano, uh, and James Gavoni, they took me out to eat at the Q restaurant in Danbury, Connecticut. And I had the best barbecue in my entire life. So um, I would recommend that you guys look at the courses, look at your needs, and try to figure out what makes the most sense logically. And of course, I want to recommend that you take all the classes because you're going to get something from them. And uh, then if, you may even want to do some of our specialized courses that are longer, but I wouldn't recommend doing those until you have a baseline of understanding, right? So think about what you want, kind of outline it and then just commit to it. Right. I mean, before I worked for Fieldcraft, I took close to 20 classes at the six hour Academy and I had a whole schedule in a word document of every class I wanted to take and the progression that made sense. So, uh, 
look at you, look at what we offer, make a plan and execute it. Next question, Jeff W. 808. Red dot for 10 millimeter bear defense. It depends on the type of bear. It also depends on what you mean by defense. A lot of people will carry a Glock 20 or a Glock 29 in 10 mil for bear defense. And the 10 mil is a very potent cartridge. I recommend if you guys are gonna carry a 10 mil, get the Buffalo bore ammo because it's strong, it's, it's powerful, it's hard cast, it's gonna penetrate, it's not gonna deform. If you're gonna shoot ball ammo out of it, make sure that you're getting ammo that is pretty damn hot, right? A lot of manufacturers have cut back the standard pressure of the 10 mil and it produces kind of an anemic round. So I'd recommend that you get something that's cooking uh, at the original specs. SIG ammo, the V-Crown ammo is pretty damn good. I'd check that out um, because it's, it's loaded pretty hot. Now, as far as your bear defense, your specific questions in relation to a red dot. If you're used to shooting red dots, get a red dot. I would recommend being highly vigilant with your battery on your red dot, right? It's not like a nightstand gun that's going to remain in sleep mode until you pick it up. If you're hiking with it regularly, that red dot's going to be on. My red dot that I run on my Glock uh, is a Holosun 509T. I like the 509T because it's got the bigger donut that I can acquire fast, but then it's also got the smaller dot in the center, which is for the accurate shots. And for a 10 mil, I mean, the cartridge is good. If you shoot a red dot, fantastic, then use the red dot. If you're better with irons because you haven't learned to transition your focus, then use your irons, right? So it's really up to you. And a lot of these questions, if you couldn't figure out, are gonna be a lot about learning you and what's practical. Um, I could tell you guys the best shoe in the world is a size 13, but if you're a size eight or a nine, my foot isn't gonna work with your foot, right? So definitely figure that out. James the third, if there are no field craft classes near me, any other companies you recommend? Um, I replied to this one online and I said, I'm not gonna recommend competitors. Um, you know maybe this one's a little bit of a pet peeve of mine. It's kind of like saying, well, Hey, if I'm not willing to come to you, who of your competition should I go to? And I'm not going to give you that answer. Um, because that's taking money out of my pocket. It's not supporting me. If I'm doing all these things for you, then try to find a way to support me. Come out to us. Um, I will tell you that there are folks in our network that I do not consider competition. I consider them friends and I will recommend them until the cows come home. In terms of survival, I'm going to recommend SE, right? Randall's Adventure Training, phenomenal folks. Uh, Patrick Rollins wrote one of the back cover recommendations for my book, 101 Skills You Need to Survive in the Woods. He's a friend. They know their stuff. I'm also going to recommend Nature Reliance School in Kentucky. Craig Caudill is our resident tracker. As far as firearms training, I mentioned it before, Sig Sauer Academy, that's my background. Um, and I'm also a, a product of Gunsight Academy. I've taken their 250 pistol and 270 rifle. So those are the ones I'm going to recommend. Uh, and I can tell you that um, my instructors over at Gunsight, they're big fans of Fieldcraft. So if they've supported me and they've remained friends with me, uh, I'm going to continue to advocate for you guys to train with them if you can. Um, but obviously, I'm going to say, come train with us, right? Tony J. Ryan. Uh, Tony's been on a bunch of our courses. Uh, solid dude. Uh, he's the type of dude that he kind of looks like he's chiseled out of, out of marble. You know, he kind of makes you want to hate him, but he's such a nice guy. You can't hate him. What's a future class you'd be interested in creating that you haven't taught 
uh, yet with Fieldcraft Survival. Um, I'm planning on doing a class called the Trek. I really want to do a point A to point B wilderness experience with students. I know I could run it in the Northeast. I've got access to land up there that I could do this course on. Um, I like the idea of a survival camp where you get away from your vehicles, you get away from the comfort of, oh, I'll just go back and grab. It's kind of like if you don't bring it with you, you dance with the date that you brought. So uh, I think I'd like to do that kind of trip. Um, logistically, they're not the easiest in the world to to manage because if someone gets hurt along the way, you do have to have egress points where you can get students out of the field. So um, maybe that one. I also, this spring, I'm planning on doing a, a hunter prep class. That's going to be a, a hunter camp where we're not only going to chronograph your rifles, we're not only going to teach you some land nav and some basic med and some basic survival, but you are going to shake out your hunting gear if you're familiar with or not familiar with hunting up in the mountains, right? You'll bring a tarp, you'll sleep under a tarp, you'll, you know, clean your rifle at night, that type of thing. So basically stuff that you would do if you're out in the field at an extended period of time. Uh, PNWD VR 23, Pacific Northwest Diver 23. Traits or accomplishments to look for in quality outdoor survival schools or instructors. Guys, um, if you are investing in quality training, you are making a financial investment. It's so easy to throw your money away in the world of training that's out there. And it's also very easy to let hero worship get in the way of your personal goals right? I mean, there are survival instructors I would like to train with, but I also know that the student to teacher ratio is incredibly high, that the one-on-one -on -one time means that the juice isn't worth the squeeze. If you are going to train, I'm going to recommend in a survival school or a shooting school, you look at the size of the class and how many instructors and assistant instructors there are. Also look at the amount of time that's spent in a course, right? Six hours, seven hours, eight hours, um, see if they give you an hour lunch break or if you take a working lunch, right? Because you shouldn't be paying someone to watch you eat. Um, another thing I would look at is, uh, what's their style of teaching? Um, if you are maybe the type that wants to get beaten down, you need a survival school. That's going to challenge you physically, right? You want to go somewhere where they're going to push you to your limits. You may not feel like you're getting educated, even though the instruction might be fantastic, if you go to a school where they're not focused on beating you down and they're focused on the curriculum. So in terms of traits or accomplishments to look for in quality survival schools and instructors, look also to see who are their students. If people aren't talking about that instructor and they're claiming to be an instructor, do they really have students? Um, look for camera magic. If they're not posting pictures of students, they're not running classes. Um, even, and, and I, and I've seen this one, I've seen people say, well, I'm not going to jeopardize my student security. Well, why don't you take photos of students from the back of their heads where you can't, you know, identify them facially. So, uh, I, I laugh when people are like, I'm a, I'm an instructor. It's like, if you don't have students, you're not an instructor. So, uh, those are some of the things. All right. Next question. All right. Damn it. I just lost my place in my document. All right, here we go. Program underscore J underscore recommend a PFD. Uh, the PFDs that I wear canoeing and kayaking are from Astral, uh, A-S-T-R-A-L. I like them because they take a lot of the flotation and they put them closer to your core and they take them away from your shoulders. Uh, prior to Astral, I was running Lotus Designs and I ran Lotus as a professional guide for years. Um, one of my favorite life jackets still to this day is 
this like transition orange until red. And the red is towards the bottom of the life jacket where I had a throw bag mounted on the back and the orange is from where the sun beat down on it season after season after season. I'd recommend whatever life jacket you get, uh, make sure it fits well. So basically when you have it cinched around your body, you are able to pull up on the shoulder straps and the flotation shouldn't come past your nose or your mouth. And the reason for that is if you get knocked unconscious in the water, then if you're floating, you want to make sure that the flotation, the buoyancy is keeping your head above water. Now there's no guarantee by the way, that your head is going to be face up. You might be face down. So just keep that in mind too. Oh, another question from program J cold weather canoe trips versus warm weather canoe considerations. If I can, I will take a cold weather canoe trip over a warm weather canoe trip. Reason being, I don't like seeing a lot of people. I'm not antisocial. I just don't like dealing with people in crowded spaces. Um, not far from Fieldcraft HQ is Deer Creek Reservoir. Hold on. <clears throat> Deer Creek Reservoir every single year has fatalities, right? Boaters are getting, uh, you know, struck by other boaters. People are drowning. That's not the type of place I want to go canoeing, but I will go there in the early season and in the late fall. In fact, uh, you know, Mike's girlfriend drove by one time and was like, yeah, were you out on Deer Creek Reservoir? And I was like, yeah, she goes, but there's snow all around. I'm like, yeah, that's the best time to go. And here's the thing. If you guys are, are canoeing in cold weather, you have to be prepared for a dunking. So you want to carry an immersion kit. But um, I personally will enjoy cold weather canoeing over warm weather. Now, with that said, considerations, amount of sunlight per day, you're going to get less in the wintertime than you will in the summer. So you have to get out earlier. Other considerations, fish tend to be a little bit more active in the summertime. So if you want to go fishing, you are going to get more success in the summertime in warmer water than you will in the colder water. Um, keep in mind too, in the winter, when the sun warms the water up, the fish are worried about the osprey, right? And you know, this is where, you know, they don't want to go up to the top. They want to like stay lower. Well, in warmer weather, they want to, you know, feed and, you know, there's going to be stuff on the surface. So I just tend to fish more, you know, in, in the summertime for my canoe. Um, now, as far as other considerations, you have to dress uh, a little bit warmer in the cold weather. Um, you will feel the cold weather going through, I'm sorry, the cold uh, going through the bottom of the boat. So you got to be concerned about that. Um, and aside from that, um, you know, you're going to realize that like when you're paddling in cold water or cold weather, if you have all these bulky layers on, you know, it's a little bit harder to move your arms than if you're shirtless or which is a rash guard. All right, let's move on. This is a question number 10. By the way, these questions get better and better every single week. Um, you guys are really starting to figure out how this works. All right. Next question comes from. Mike M. Fat. Most important first upgrades to your vehicle for overlanding. Well, if we're going to say overlanding and not four by four ride driving, I'm going to say that you want to think about sleeping considerations. You want to make sure that you have good tires. You want to make sure that you have the ability to carry extra fuel. Um, light, you really can't have enough light. I'll be adding some Casey highlights this year to my, my forerunner. Um, I like having good organization in my vehicle. I've got a boss strong box. So I've got that and I've got, um, Cali raised led Molly panels for the back windows. So organization, extra fuel, good tire sleeping arrangements. Next one. 
Mr. Underscore C Madden. More knife recommendations. Everyday carry fixed blade for chores and self-defense. Okay. <sighs> knife recommendations. I mean, I know in the past I've mentioned the Amtac Northman, Amtac uh, Minuteman. I've mentioned Atienza Kali and Sayak Kali blades. Might have even mentioned Headhunter blades. Um, look up like the rat. Look up the dirty uh, obviously I'm going to recommend Montana knife company. We, uh, might have something coming out with them. Uh, I'm going to recommend Winkler knives. I'm going to recommend Gossman knives. Look up the Polaris. That's my signature blade. Look up Kohuda knife company. Um, look up the K E classic, uh, look up the K E bushy over there. I uh, wonder what K E stands for. <laughs> That's those are my initials. Um, now as far as uh, chores and self-defense, choose. If you're using a knife for chores, you are using your edge when you shouldn't be using your edge. You can carry a multi-tool for that. Um, really save your blade if it's for self-defense for a self-defense scenario, right? Don't put out fires with your fire extinguisher. Find other means of putting out your fire in your campsite. Save that fire extinguisher for an emergency. So those are some recommendations. Anthony Pettinelli. Is the Glock 48 best everyday carry in states with 10 round max? It depends. Um, I really like my Glock 48. I am originally from Connecticut. After Sandy Hook, standard capacity magazines became extremely, extremely restricted. We were able to keep our 17 round mags for our Glock 17s, but if we left the house, we had to download them to 10 rounds. If we had pre-band mags, right? Or standard capacity mags. We had to register them with the state, which is completely asinine because we never received any way of documenting them, right? Like you couldn't tell mag one from mag two. And I'll, I'll tell you, there's no real way of tracking them. Um, and I'll say that there were guys out there who I know that didn't record all their mags. And there were guys out there that put mags on there for guns that they didn't buy yet. So I thought that was hilarious that the politicians thought it was going to be effective. Uh, we just know that gun laws do nothing to stop the folks out there that have criminal intent, right? They're going to break the law. They don't respect the laws. So is the Glock 48 the best ever to carry in states with a 10 round max? I have a Glock 48. I think it is one of the best balanced pistols that Glock has ever produced. Now, there are other ways of getting a gun that's got similar specs. You can use a 43X with a micro comp. Um, but I think the 48 out of the box is fantastic. Um, one of my good buddies is Johnny Glocks. If you guys aren't familiar with his stuff, check it out. He takes OEM parts, polishes them, and he produces the best trigger pull you'll ever, ever get out of a Glock. So I love my Glock 48. When I travel back to Connecticut, I still carry my Glock 48. Um, the fact that it's nine millimeter, I mean, nine mil ammo ballistically now with good rounds like Federal HST or Hornady Critical Duty. I mean, they're all fantastic ammo, uh, so, or all fantastic ammo options. So I like it. Then again, I'm also a fan of the Lord's caliber. I love my 45. And being from Connecticut, I do carry a 1911. So uh, <laughs> I don't know. I think if you're just getting into handguns, get a Glock 48. If you live in a state that won't let you have more than 10 rounds, otherwise move to free America. Next question, beach bum underscore hero upcoming location hints about, let's see the rest of the question, upcoming location hints about the next 72 hour survival challenge. Um, 
there's been hints that Mikey Hernandez, our mobility guy, is going to do it in an urban environment. I know that I'm out. Um, I've done it twice. Kevin Owens didn't like the idea that when I do it, he's like, it's not fun, man, watching Kevin Estella do it because he knows his stuff. That's why we put Ricky in there. She's a newcomer. That's why we pulled me out of there at uh, 48 hours and let Ricky do it on her own. So uh, I'm going to do other survival challenges with some really cool folks. So uh, I don't know if it's going to be a 72 hour thing or if it's going to be a challenge in terms of weather or what, but I'll just say that the urban environment has been brought up for 72 hours. Question number 15 comes from Ben under Ben dot Pennell personal everyday carry tweaks based on geographic region, climate, or occasion. Well, it doesn't matter what region, climate, or location I'm in. I always carry a Swiss army knife and a lighter. That's number one back pocket. Left pocket is always a Merino wool, uh, bandana handkerchief back, right pocket is always my wallet. I always have a flashlight on me depending on the type of class I'm in or just everyday carry. It's usually my surefire stiletto, but I don't mind carrying the Streamlight ProTac 1L 1AA or uh, 1L 2A, I think it is, uh, or 2L. Yeah, I think it's the 2L. Um, so that really doesn't change as far as, you know, firearms in the city. Most of the time I'm carrying a nine millimeter, usually my Glock 19 or 17. If I'm in the backcountry, I might switch to a 45 with Buffalo bore hardcast. But I mean, for the most part, my tweaks don't really change. How I carry it changes though. Um, I carry stuff first line in my pants pockets, but if I have a vest on like my survival vest from Buffalo, I'm sorry, I always say Buffalo wool because those are the socks I'm wearing. My survival vest is from sleeping Indian wool. Then I'll throw those items in my, or those items and more into the pockets in that, that survival vest from uh, sleeping Indian. Seba Agonzino or Ogozino. I guess I'm pronouncing that right. Top gear for urban survival debit card, cash, um, urban survival. You're not building fires. That's called arson. Uh, I'm not going to advocate in a public class for you guys to break into anywhere unless there's really a state of emergency or no state at all. Um, otherwise that's considered, you know, breaking and entering and I'm not going to advocate for you guys to steal anything. So top gear for urban survival money, have a form of currency and it doesn't have to be the dollar. It can be other things of value. Um, there are a lot of folks out there that teach our everyday, I'm sorry, urban survival courses. Kevin Reeve with on point tactical comes to mind. And if you think about it, what can you use to barter, right? What can you use to start a conversation? What can you use to get someone on your side to create assets? So money underscore Chris Nims underscore. Have you ever used triple Auto designs products? Yeah. I used one of their knife pouches. So that's about it for tad gear. Sleeping Indian wool. Uh, oh, perfect. Perfect timing. Sleeping Indian wool. Top three tools to carry on you when in the wilderness. Aside from your knife, your metal canteen, and your fire starter, I'm going to say a good tarp or sleeping bag. In the wintertime, I want the sleeping bag. In the summertime, I want the tarp, right? That's a great question you can ask in your training group, which is a more important, a sleeping bag or a tarp. It's really, really environmentally dependent. Other items, I want something to procure food. So I'm thinking fishing rod, right? Another item that is really, really important for me um, is a compass, right? I want the ability to navigate. Um, I want the ability to navigate, communicate. 
So it might even be my cell phone if I have service. I'm not above saying that. So um, I'll definitely say that communication, navigation, super important. I'm going to say shelter, incredibly important. And I'm going to say uh, food, right? For long term. BJSB1. Any reason you prefer the 29 over the Glock 20? Okay, so the Glock is coming up again. 10 millimeters coming up again. That question came from Coffee and Survival. Coffee and coffee and questions. Hold on. Let me drink my coffee. You can clearly tell if I'm stumbling over my words that I'm getting a little bit you know, ahead of myself here. More coffee. Guys, just black. Here we go. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, the Glock 29 over the Glock 20 comes from coffee and questions number one. And that it was, should I carry a Glock 10 mil or a 44 revolver? And I mentioned the 29 because the concern was backpacking, right? So if you can get away with a heavier slide and a larger grip, carry the 20, right? The rule is if you're a man, if you're, if you're out in the wilderness, man size gun, right? Man-sized man, man-sized gun. Um, but the 29, if you are going from the wilderness to the suburbs, wilderness to convenience stores, wilderness to here, there, everywhere, it's going to be easier to conceal. But if you can carry the extra mass, bigger guns going to be easier to shoot. It's going to also have less felt recoil because of the weight. All right, question number 20. Uh, what's the bare minimum bushcraft gear an ultralight backpacker should bring? It's kind of comical. Uh, bushcrafters are very rarely ultralight guys. They carry wool, leather, cast iron, all sorts of stuff. Bushcraft can be very pretentious with all this brass and all this, you know, heavyweight gear. So if you look at the Ray Mears necklace, that's a great option right there. Uh, if you guys don't know Ray Mears, Ray Mears is uh, the guy who created wood lore great inspiration of mine, someone I would love to train with. Uh, on that bushcraft necklace, there's a pair of silver gripper tweezers that are great not only for removing ticks, but also briars if you're using your hands a lot. There is a true Nord compass, which is great for general navigating. There's a whistle, which is great for signaling, especially in thick woods where you're probably not going to use a signal mirror, but you will use a, a whistle to signal for help. There's also a photon squeeze light, which is great for reading at night, general wayfinding. And uh, I believe there's a ferro rod and that is just a backup fire starter. So how about that? Let's say that that's ultralight bushcraft gear. Goat carts, K-A-R-T-Z. What skills to start teaching kids? What ages you start? <sighs> um, you can always start off with knots. Right, you can always start off with knots, and it's more maturity than age. Uh, I know plenty of guys that are in their 20s and 30s that still haven't matured. I would recommend that you base the skills that you teach kids on maturity rather than age. Kids can't go wrong learning knots. Kids can feel like they're a part of your tribe and your community if they set up the shelter with good knots. Inspect the knots, make sure that they're doing it well. They can also tie up bundles of firewood with good knots. You can teach them fire starting, right? Teach them with a... Um, ferro rod, but be careful when you're teaching kids fire starting with a ferro rod because kids often like the spark effect and they will damage their rod or they'll create a hollow in the center of the rod. You want to teach them that it's a tool and it's not to be abused. So knots, fire starting, shelter making. 
Here's the other thing. You can teach kids food, right? You can say, hey, you're going to cook something on your own. You're going to boil water on your own, right? Teach them the whole process. Get them as hands-on as, as you can. Encourage them to ask questions and ask them questions back. Hey, why am I doing this, right? Okay, I'm going to do this. Do you know why? Ask your kids. Get them mentally engaged even if they're not physically engaged. That's a tip from a 14-year educator, <laughs> public school educator. All right. Evelyn G DLC. Besides cheesecake, what do you want for your birthday? Well, my birthday is not until April. Um, my birthday, I mean, my birthday is at a pretty good time away from Christmas. So I don't really need to ask for too much because I've got it from Christmas. Plus as like a professional outdoorsman and, and a guy in the industry, I have access to a lot of cool stuff. So usually when people say like, what do I want for my birthday? I'd rather share like a cool experience with someone. Like I'd rather go out to dinner with like a buddy I haven't seen in a while or share drinks with my girl or something. You know what I mean? Like I want an experience. I don't need gifts. Um, I've been moving around working with field craft. I moved from one apartment or one townhouse to an apartment. I moved across country. The last thing I want to do is have more stuff. If anything, I'm paring it down, but something that you carry with you is, you know, are the memories from good experiences. John dot hop 77 bug out or in with average car traveling 300 miles per tank. There aren't many places to go opinions. John, here's the deal, man. Um, I know I just sounded like Joe Biden there. Let's go, Brandon. Um, you are strongest at home, right? Chances are you have all your resources at home. You know your neighborhood. If you are like me, you might even have your rangefinder and you might know the range from your window to different spots in your neighborhood for reasons that I won't go into here. Um, if you're like me, you've probably built up a strong community. Why would you run away from that, right? We always advocate for tribe and now we've got this notion of bugging out with a bag being like Denzel Washington in Book of Eli, like be the loner, the lone wolf dies, right? If you look at pack mentality, if there's a wolf running around on its own, it's probably gonna be killed by other wolves. So I'd recommend that you bug in. If you do have to bug out, make sure you have a place to go and you don't just run out the door, you know, without a place to go. And also have a secondary option in case where your place you wanna go is overrun by people who also have that idea in mind. So bug out. Nope. I'm going to bug in. Are the modern predator classes coming back this year? This comes from by brace. Uh, modern predator has not gone anywhere. It's just called wilderness survival Two. Uh, there was confusion like, Hey, what is modern predator? Well, it's a, it's a continuation of wilderness survival one. So yes, they're already here. KJ Begay underscore 48. You resemble Dave Matthews. I've heard this before. I think it's the forehead and the beard. If you are listening, Dave Matthews, longtime fan, I remember going to concerts of yours in Hartford when I was in high school and porta potties got flipped over, lit on fire, and friends of mine got shot with rubber bullets and secondary exposure to pepper spray. Uh, Dave Matthews band, great kind of chill music. You don't expect fights to break out at those concerts unless you come to Hartford, Connecticut and you go to the Meadows. So uh, yeah, I guess I do. Maybe... There are a whole bunch of large-headed freaks out there like me running around that kind of resemble me. Wilderness Woodcraft. All right, this one's from Brian. In the Eastern Woodlands, what axe would you choose if you could only have one, two, or three? Liam Hoffman is the best axe maker in the country, hands down, end of story, traditional blacksmith axes with uh, wooden handles going with Liam Hoffman. All right, 
Uh, why should I learn practice friction fire techniques if I carry a lighter and matches? Um, well, this one is going to come from uh, an anonymous question asker. I'm going to say that if you learn to do friction fire techniques, it helps you become more aware. It also helps you develop a sense of confidence in the great outdoors. So uh, I'm going to say definitely, definitely, uh, you know, learn it for those reasons. All right, I'm going to run through these next ones because we're running short on time. Rob under uh, Rob dot Benwell. I listened to referring to a race dragon. Why not a 22 survival rifle or a youth bolt action? Uh, Rob, that whole idea of a race dragon is a pistol. And the whole idea behind a pistol over a rifle is that it balances uh, the being compact. It balances, um, you know, the idea that you have a lot of accuracy with your pistol, um, nowhere near the same velocity as a rifle, but you're more likely to leave that rifle behind than if you were to carry a pistol in a pouch. Um, I would say that I will put money on it. If you put a red dot um, on a pistol, you will be impressed with how accurate that gun is off of a rest. So that race dragon idea comes from uh, six ways in, 12 ways out. Um, and it is definitely, definitely a great option, right? Because you're balancing portability, uh, capability. You are balancing accuracy, velocity. There's a lot of things. Sorry. Sorry, I think my microphone just cut out there. It's balancing a lot of different things, right? Portability, capability, accuracy, um, velocity. So that's why pistol over rifle. I'm not saying a rifle's bad. Get a rifle um, if you have the space. But for most people, a pistol is going to be one of the best options. All right, guys, let's get through this next one. Robert.davis.58. What is your favorite coffee? Uh, let me skip down here. I don't know why I can't scroll down. All right. What is your favorite coffee uh, brand and flavor type? Um, you guys know that we're doing coffee and questions in collaboration with Black Rifle Coffee. Um, I do like Just Black. That's what I'm drinking right now. Silence for Smooth is really good. I'll tell you, if Black Rifle Coffee wants probably one of the most intense cups of coffee I have ever had to this day, it was at this little coffee plantation that was in Costa Rica that I visited in 2014. I had a small, like a Dixie cups worth sample of this coffee. It was so fresh to this day. I've never had a cup of coffee that has had such an effect on me in terms of like being a stimulant. So I don't know what brand of coffee that was. And I'd have to uh, go back to Guancaste to, to know exactly what the name of that coffee plantation was, but damn, that was my favorite. Um, I wish I could tell you guys the name, but I'll tell you that Costa Rican coffee is easily my favorite type of coffee. So Black Rifle, um, maybe we got to talk about that. All right. Question number 30. J. Chuck White, affordable hollow handle survival knife. You can buy some affordable hollow handle survival knives, but they're going to be garbage. There are plenty of knives out there from United Cutlery, plenty of knives out there from Fury, plenty of knives out there from other bargain, you know, Bud K or Smoky Mountain Knife Work, you know, mail order catalogs, but they're garbage. If you want a good hollow handled survival knife, you're going to have to pay for it. Randall model 18, Chris Reeve, one piece uh, knives. If you can still find one of the Martin, the late Newt Martin 
knives, get one of those, or look to Ed Martin who makes them from time to time. Uh, other good hollow handle knives. You can get the Boker Apero, which is Newt Martin's design. Um, and there are some other makers out there, but you're going to pay for them. And you'll find that those hollow handle knives are going to be super durable. All right. MI underscore blades recommend winter gloves that still have some dexterity. Um, winter gloves that have some dexterity. Now, if we're talking gloves, not mittens, um, you're going to find that there are some good winter gloves from outdoor research. I forgot the name of the glove that I wear, but it's got a little bit of primal loft. It's got a waterproof shell and it's got good dexterity. Um, I mentioned six hour Academy a couple times. I took cold weather carbine. I ran that class with those gloves, <laughs> super cold. I can still operate the safety on my rifle. I can still work the charging handle. I can still work the bolt release. Um, but anytime that you add insulation to your fingers, you're losing dexterity. So there's a, there's a trade-off, but my preferred ones are, are from, uh, outdoor research. Jeff Golano asks thoughts on backing the blue when they are arresting in New York for not showing a vax card. All right, here we go. Rabbit hole. I'm going to say this. There are good people and bad people in every single profession. There are more people that die at the hands of doctors due to malpractice than there are at the hands of police officers. Okay. Um, I'm going to tell you that I'm not going to support those doctors that kill people because they prescribe bad medicine. I'm not going to support the cops that are going to uh, advocate and follow through with supporting unconstitutional mandates. In my opinion, I'm not going to support teachers that sexually assault children. They're bastards. They're, they're, you know, going to end up in hell. In my opinion, I will say this, there are bad apples in every single bunch, but if you base your understanding of an occupation on the part and not the whole, then it's a logical fallacy, right? What is true of the part is not true of the whole. So I'm going to say this. Um, I will continue to back the blue. I have a lot of cop friends. I've taught a lot. Uh, I've trained with a lot. A lot of them, we've shared fires together. I will not stop supporting them because there are a handful that might do something stupid. The vast majority are good people. So that's my thought. I'm sticking to it. Next question, Michael Bryan, do you typically carry a Glock 19? Why not your X compact more? Guys, I have Glock 19, Glock 17, full size 320, compact 320. 2022 is my year to go back to basics. My first pistol I ever carried was a Glock 19. I sold it stupidly and now I've got one again. Uh, I'm going back to basics. I'm shooting my Glock 19 at 25 yards, bullseye targets, um, the four performance standards, trying to match them because that was my foundation. That's what I believe in. So I'm carrying my 19 more. They're both striker fired pistols. Um, you know, even though I like my, my SIGs, I've been shooting my Glock longer. Uh, so that's why I'm just going back to basics this year and I love carrying it. Backcountry Subi asks, are you going to miss your neighbor's cat? My neighbor's cat is named, <laughs> his name Misha. I don't have any animals of my own. Um, and this neighbor's cat would always come and visit me. It would jump in my car. Nicest cat in the world. Big fat cat. Like you can tell that the neighbor definitely fed it well. So yes, I am going to miss my neighbor's cat when I move. All right. JMac87. Uh, not question, but bought a Pico Pocket from Yellow Birch as pocket 
immediate first aid, uh, individual first aid kit for minor cuts and abrasions. Awesome, dude. Um, I'll tell you that that's a great option for an ouch pouch or a boo-boo kit. Um, there are so many things that we like to carry every single day for trauma. And I highly recommend that. I recommend that you guys carry a tourniquet. I recommend that you carry the proper trauma gear to address the possible traumatic injuries that you will sustain. But I also recommend that you guys carry some equipment for the very, very basic stuff that's out there, right? Like things like uh, minor cuts to the fingertips, burns to the fingers. If you're camping, if you're bushcrafting, if you're if you're cleaning fish, you're cleaning deer, chances are you're going to nick your fingers, you're going to burn your fingers, something like that. You could even burn your hands on hot water when you're pouring it for your coffee. Well, carry some things like that. Uh, Jay Pulaski runs Yellow Birch Outfitter. He's a good buddy of mine. Uh, again, like one tenth of a mile from my my hometown, uh, childhood home, and uh, he's an Army vet and. He's actually taught land nav with me for Fieldcraft. So he's one of our uh, adjunct instructors. Great idea. Uh, I'm happy that you're carrying an, an ouch pouch. All right, guys, believe it or not, that is 35 questions. I've been running my suck for about 43 minutes, maybe a little bit longer. Um, my coffee, I still have like a sip or two. I'm going to save it till the very end because then I got to do some phone calls. Uh this podcast, I'm going to continue doing these. As long as you guys ask me questions, I'm going to continue running them. Um, if there's any questions that you have that are related to any gear, any skills, any experiences, if you have any just random trivia questions that you want to ask me and get my opinion, I'm happy to answer them. When I joined Fieldcraft Survival in January uh, 2021, I really wanted to be as accessible to the public as possible, and I will always answer your questions. You may not like the answers because I'm going to fire truth bombs at you, but I will always answer them. And if I don't know something, I will gladly say, hey, I don't know this, but talk to Kevin Owens. He's our guy when it comes to long-range shooting. Or talk to Nate Jones. He's our doc. Um, but if I can answer those questions, I will. And I promise you, my question responses will be as thorough as I can make them in a podcast. Guys, just a reminder, uh, this podcast was brought to you by Black Rifle Coffee. Phenomenal people over there. Uh, I love the whole crew over there. And you're going to be seeing more and more content uh, collaborated on between Fieldcraft Survival and Black Rifle Coffee. I look forward to getting over there um, and checking out their operation because it's growing and I'm so proud of them. All right, guys, uh, if you want, please, please leave feedback, reach out to us on social media, follow us at fieldcraftsrival.com, black rifle coffee at black rifle Follow us on Instagram, all of our socials guys hit me up personally. If you want at Stella wild Ed on Instagram or Estella at fieldcraftsrival.com is my email. I will answer your questions. I love doing this. I love drinking coffee. And uh, as long as you got questions, I got answers for you. Guys, I'm Kevin Estella with Fieldcraft Survival. Always, always seeking to educate, equip, and empower you. Thanks for listening.